Happiness is an inside job. At Happy Healthy You, Connie Bowman helps us find our way with inspiring conversations and healthy ideas for living a whole life in mind, body, and spirit. Happy Healthy You, and now here's Connie. Happy Healthy You, the podcast. I'm your host, Connie Bowman, and I love doing these podcasts. I've kind of narrowed down my my focus a little bit, shall we say, as time has gone on. I've been doing this for like four years, and now I only do podcasts with people who I am really curious about and I really want to talk to and, and about subjects that I'm really curious about that I really want to talk about. So it's pretty cool. And the other cool thing is that sometimes people just fall in my lap and I love that and it's just so good and I just kind of trust that the universe will bring me the right people and it always does. So I am talking today to Daniel Perriman and he is the host of the Low Carb Leader podcast. He has his own podcast. I love talking to people who have podcasts because they just get it, right? So he is a martial artist. He's a physique competitor. He has 20 years of hospital executive leadership experience, and he has sort of a new career going as a fitness and nutrition coach and his podcast, he talks about a lot of these things that we talk about on Happy Healthy You, the Low Carb Leader podcast, so you have to check it out. And he brings a unique perspective after his 20 years of hospital executive leadership. He brings a unique perspective to the health and fitness world. Uh, he believes that a low-carb nutritional approach can transform the healthcare system. Hmm, I want to talk about that. I'm curious about that. And spending the last 20 years in hospitals, he has seen the devastating effects of chronic health conditions on society. And his goal is to keep people out of the hospitals, really. Truly, that's that's a great goal, Dan. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast to talk about one of my favorite subjects since I am of this age what being 50 is all about really and how it affects our health. And there's so many things we can talk about. And I guess I, 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 th I think I've already given away my age, but Dan, happy birthday. Cause you're getting ready to turn the big five. Oh, so I've already done it. Happy yeah, birthday. Connie, thank you. <laughs> I'm very happy to be on your show. Thank you so much. I'm anxious to listen to the low carb leader podcast. And I want to start there because, um, my daughter and son-in-law have been doing the uh, Whole30 diet, and they, in fact, they just finished it. They did a great job. They they um, did it for the Whole30 days, and <laughs> and that diet uh, is a real low-carb diet. Talk about low carbs and why you're so passionate about uh, that, because it's controversial. Yeah, you know, I think it's becoming more mainstream now, but just how I got into it uh, about... I don't know, five, six, seven years ago, you know, that dreaded after lunch crash that you always get. And mm. it's about two o'clock in the afternoon, you're at work, you can't even stay awake. And, and I was like, I was thinking there has to be some way out of this. So I just said, I'm just going to eat less and maybe eat a salad. And that moment was a defining moment where I said, well, I feel better. And at that time, my son, uh, who's now 24, he was researching a lot around low carb, high fat, diets. And that's when the journey began. And I have probably been low carb for at least four or five years now. And 
it's catching on more and more. I, I think rather than looking at like low carb, uh, people just need to look at reducing sugar processed food and going to more of a healthy whole food type of diet. And I think that's why the whole 30 is successful is because it really takes people from eating the Big Macs and eating the sugar and drinking the sodas to kind of a whole food approach. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I actually kind of joined in a little bit like two or three days a week. I already eat pretty clean, but I don't eat uh, meat. I'll eat fish and eggs occasionally, but I don't eat meat. So it was a challenge for me to uh, find different types of protein, but I learned a lot. So um, do you, are you a meat eater as well? Yeah, you know, uh, growing up in the Midwest, you know, that's yeah. kind of the kind of the staples. But, you know, the more I read about it, it's, uh, you know, there's the ketogenic uh, followers and the low carb followers of paleo. They're mm -hmm. vegetarians. Uh, I'm actually going to have a, a vegan uh, weightlifter and fitness enthusiast, her and her husband on the, on the show pretty soon. Oh, cool. It, you know, I, I think that you can eat too much meat. Uh, that's that's kind of, I've been transitioning from, you know, meat and vegetables to um, less meat, more fish, more olive oil, you know, more colors in mm -hmm. my food. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's a good approach. So your, your idea of eating fish and eggs and limiting your, you know, especially red meat consumption is, is probably a pretty good idea. I'm actually trying to do more and more of that. I, I know as soon as we figure something out though, things change. So... <laughs> I, I I just I love getting all these different perspectives, and I'll tell you what I think your idea of eating what makes you feel good is probably a great place to start. So, so yeah, yeah, it, yeah. The one thing that makes it like easier for me is I I've never been a big eater. Um, so what are you kidding? Yeah, <laughs> I mean honestly, like uh, I'm on a ketogenic diet, and there's reasons for that. Um, just kind of I have history of Alzheimer's, dementia, and cancer in my family, and ketogenic, which is higher fat, moderate protein, and um, low carbs, is, it has been shown to be really good to prevent those conditions. But what it does is it it's high fat. You're not hungry very much. So, you know, I, I, have you heard of Bulletproof Coffee? No. What is that? It's where, it's where you have coffee and you put butter and MCT oil. Oh, yes, yes, a, yes. Yeah, right. A derivative of coconut <laughs> oil. And I'll drink a couple cups of that and then seriously have to force myself to eat like at four o'clock in the afternoon. Wow. I, and, and, but that's, that's a tip for everybody listening. If you are eating, you know, every two or three hours and you're starving, it's because you're, you know, your blood levels, sugar levels are going all over the place because you're eating carbohydrates all the time. Once you get a, in a lower carb uh, diet, your hunger will 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 definitely level off you'll be less hungry you'll feel better you won't have crashes that's one of the big benefits to low carbs low carb diet interesting so uh you actually have a a statement here in your one sheet that keto this ketogenic idea can transform healthcare how how does that work <laughs> yeah i i definitely believe that i mean being in hospitals for 20 years it's you know, I, we have a saying, hospitals are no place to be sick. And that sounds like a crazy oh, statement, sure. but for sure. you, you don't want to. There's a bunch of sick people there and you're bound to get more sick and medical errors happen. 
Mm. And, and the doctors, I know a lot of doctors and they're taught in medical school, they're very smart people, but they're taught, taught to, you know, treat your sickness. So if you go in with diabetes type two, uh, we like to make a distinction, right? Right. Your doctor is going to give you a pill, right? To control your diabetes or give you insulin, or they're not going to say, Hey, let's take a step back and look at your diet. Right. And so there's all these conditions that we treat in hospitals that if people would just change the way they eat, and this sounds very simple, but if they change the way they eat, a lot of these diseases will go away and they really will. It's because we're creating them through bad lifestyle choices and, and nutrition is 90% of the equation. It's so refreshing to hear someone come from a healthcare background talking about nutrition because typically those things don't go together. My dad was just in the hospital for a knee replacement and he also has um, Parkinson's and the food that they were feeding him, I mean, he was scarfing it up, but plenty of sugar, plenty of carbs, not a whole lot of fresh. Well, I didn't see any fresh vegetables <laughs> yeah, or fruits. Yeah. yeah. So, so. Well, this... Yeah. And they, and they found that the ketogenic diet is like, you know, that, that originated from uh, epileptic seizure research. And so like being on a ketogenic diet, if you have uh, neurological issues is like the preferred method. I mean, of, of course, work with your doctor, but so many doctors don't even know about it. Another great example is people, uh, you know, on cancer treatments. Uh, it is, it's shown that if you fast and if you keep your insulin levels down, that even conventional chemotherapy treatments and other treatments will be much more effective. The side effects will be way less from chemo. That's in the, that's in the conventional research. Yet people are going through chemo treatments and, you know, we're serving them mashed potatoes and dessert. Mm, wow. You know, it's, it's counter to what we should be doing to complement, you know, mainstream medicine. Oh, so interesting. Can you talk about the main components? I want to get to the life after 50 conversation, but can you talk about the, the components of the ketogenic diet so we have a little bit of an overview? Oh, sure, sure. And so I'll make a distinction between ketogenic and low carb. Okay. Uh, just because it's a, it's a little bit different. Like, so ketogenic is about, and, and the reason they call it ketogenic is because when you lower your carbs to a really low level, your body will stop burning sugar because one of the primary fuel sources is glucose. But if you don't have that over about a seven to 10 day period, um, your body will convert to burning ketones, which is a, it's an alternate fuel, which is actually less damaging in the way it burns. So it's like a cleaner fuel, but nobody really gets to it because eat carbs all the time. As mm. soon as you eat carbs, it, it kicks you out of ketosis. So the way you get into it is it's about 80% fat and then moderate protein and low carb. So like what I do is I keep my protein down to like maybe 70 grams a day. I keep my carbs. I just, I keep my carbs basically to green vegetables and I might throw in some you know, I consider a high, I consider a carb like a carrot. You know, I've been eating this way mm -hmm. for so long. Yeah, so it's like green leafy vegetables is what I eat and cauliflower and broccoli. And and then you you uh, 
fill the rest of your diet in with fat. And I know people are saying like, well, that doesn't sound safe or doesn't sound healthy, but the fats that I'm putting in are avocados, olive oil, uh, things like that. They're all healthy. I'm not, I'm not eating trans fats or vegetable oils or anything like that. Fast food. I just, I fill it up with healthy fat. So at the end of the day, I'm just kind of eating a whole food diet. Okay. I just, I just focus more on fats and then on low carb, low carb is really just low carb. Um, you can eat more protein, you can eat less fat. So that's kind of the difference. Ketogenic is really like 70 to 80% fat. So ketosis, ketosis is just the metabolic process, correct? Right. It's, it's when you start burning ketones as your main fuel. Okay. Okay. Just to clear that up. Uh, one question for you. Uh, recently had a conversation about coconut oil and there's some uh, naysayers. I've always heard it's really great. What's your take? Yeah, that article just appeared again yeah, uh, yeah. on coconut oil. So I, I'm actually, uh, I'm probably in the in the field where you would say, I'm okay with saturated fats. Um, so coconut oil or butter, like, uh, you know, I put butter in my coffee. Um, I I do think that there's there's variations. I think everything's about individual, individuality mm-hmm. and what, you have to measure. So, uh, you know, if you're eating coconut oil and bacon all day long and you're feeling terrible and your, you know, cholesterol's through the roof and you just feel terrible, then you, you might want to take a different approach. But with me, it gives me a lot of energy. I mean, I, I don't eat spoons of coconut oil, right. but um, I think it's a healthy, a healthy fat. Uh, but, you know, that's, I think that's what's really hard for people is that, you know, the American Heart Association just came out with this it was a long, it was a long research study, like 26 pages or something. And it's so confusing because they were saying saturated fats um, aren't good for you. But when you start reading through it, they would say, you know, take saturated fats out and put mono or poly unsaturated fats, um, as long as they're good, right? But people see the headline and they say saturated fats are bad for you, coconut oil is bad for you, and then they get confused. Mm-hmm. And so, um, Again, I, I always go back to if you just eat healthy, if you just eat whole foods, um, you're going to be a lot better. Yeah. Off. And we all agree the refined sugar is like crack cocaine, right? Oh, yeah. Kind of, <laughs> I have interviewed. I, I'm going on episode 48 on my podcast, and I usually ask everybody, like, what's the one thing people should do? Yeah. And they're like, stop sugar. <laughs> every, every single one of them. Um I'm trying to think of the guy's name. He he's a researcher out in uh, uh, San Francisco, and he did it like a two-hour YouTube video on um, why sugar is like alcohol, why sugar is so bad for you. It's yeah. it's the bitter. I think it's called sugar, the bitter truth. Yeah. And his name will come to me, but you get done watching that, and you're you're thinking I'm not going to ever eat sugar. Again. It's like uh, forks over knives for sugar eaters. <laughs> it's yeah, and, yeah. And it, it uh it triggers the same um, receptors in your brain that I think opium does. Right, right. Right, so you That's what get they so addicted to it. And that, you know, Crazy. you see it. I mean, people are drinking soda after soda or the, you know, you, you. I've never met somebody who drinks diet sodas that doesn't drink 10 a day, you mm-hmm. know, so. Well, diet sodas don't have sugar, right? Right, they got the other, 
Definitely chemicals. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Other chemicals. Okay. Well, good. I'm glad we clarified that. That's really interesting. And uh, I I am going to totally stick with at least a few days a week of that Whole30 because I, I feel really good. So... Um, yeah, thanks for clearing up the difference between low carb and ketogenic diet. That's oh, that sure. was really uh, helpful. Uh, now I want to get to the, the big birthday that you have coming up, and I'm already there. And I have to say, there is life afterwards, so don't fret, <laughs> don't worry. But you have a lot to say about turning fifty and how to do it uh, healthfully. And um, yeah, I mean, how how long do you want to live, Dan? What's your, yeah. do you have a goal? <laughs> you know, I'm definitely not one of those that want to live to like 150. Okay. You know, I just, I just want to live if, uh, you know, my, my dad, I, he died around 76 and, but my mom's side, they live a lot longer. They like live into their nineties. So, mm-hmm. um, at, you know, I don't know the exact age, but what I don't want is I don't want to live, you know, 20 years where I'm in miserable condition or, uh, you know, dementia, or I have these chronic conditions, right. uh, that's, I want to live healthy. And I, and that's why I think that 50 is a really important age yeah. for all of us. It's kind of the halfway point, the turning yeah, point. Yeah. yeah. And it's like the tipping point. I mean, when you, I mean, you know, when I was 18 or whatever, you could, you could go out drinking, I guess it was 21. That's the official age, but you go out drinking and the next day you recover and you're fine. And Right. You know, when you're 30, it gets a little bit harder. By 40, it's like, wow, well, you know, this is a bit more difficult. But now 50, everything is a little more difficult. My back hurts a little bit more. Injuries take longer to heal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm looking forward, just like your question of where do I want to be in the next 30 years, right? Because people around me uh, are going downhill pretty quick, and they don't even know it because mm-hmm. – they don't even take care of themselves at all. So it just becomes more and more important as we get older. Well, you say 50 is a tipping point. So why can you talk about that a little bit? Why is yeah. it a turning point? Yeah, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, because when you're 40, you, you're still pretty young and um, bad choices. Um, you can still kind of, you know, reverse them. Um, I think at 50, I think you can definitely reverse your health and improve it. But if you just keep going the way you're going, if you're overweight, you're eating bad, definitely if you're smoking and doing those things, um, you're going to get to a point where it's not going to be reversible. So if you if you're 60 and you start having these, you know, you have heart attacks and you're overweight, you have diabetes. I mean, a lot of amputations occur, a lot of bad results you know, I want to encourage people before something bad happens to try to change your lifestyle around so that you you don't have to experience your golden years, as we say, in a nursing home or in a hospital. I I actually uh, my mom this I mean, for 84 years, she has been like extremely independent, like walking miles. It's like amazing. And then over the last year this dementia has kicked in. And so now she's in a nursing home mm. and she's doing okay. You know, and everything she's 85, my grandma had it. This is, this is why I thought, I think more about ketogenic diets. But my point is in the nursing home, there are young people that are there for mm-hmm. like, and they're all like diabetic and they have their legs are swollen and they looking at amputations. And you know, that's, that's not just the other person. That's, 
that's happening to a lot of people. And I don't want anybody that's listening to this to have to live the remainder of their life in that condition, you mm-hmm. know, because that's that's right. a difficult way. Right. So much easier just to be healthy and <laughs> make the healthy choices. You have in your uh, one sheet also, how did the culture of the Marlboro Man affect the health of two generations? I remember that guy. He was hot. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You know, I read, I read research around that, that like, I don't know if the number is four or five. They had like, I think it's five. They had five different Marlboro men. They all died of lung cancer. Did they? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh. And the reason I put that in there is because we have to take a step back a lot about a lot of this is about mindset mm-hmm. where, you know, I grew up, I remember going to like the, the minor league baseball field in my town and it was sponsored by Marlboro. And when crazy? I was in the Navy, you could smoke inside and, you know, and eating junk food and all that. And so I think we have to take a step back and say, you know, what's, what's healthy, what's not healthy, uh, are our are, are beliefs accurate around what we're doing. But yeah, I look back and think, that's amazing that everything was sponsored by Yeah, Robert. it's crazy. It took, How many, it take, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, and what did it take? 30 or 40 years or something before so long yeah we now know smoking's bad for you right every time my husband and i fly we are we marvel that people could smoke in those tiny little planes i know that that is that is insane um i mean not long ago uh you could smoke in the hospital Mm. i mean there's stories of doctors you know surgeons you know, smoking in the ORs. Mm, right. Yeah, that's and it's it's that's everywhere. Twenty years. Yeah. I did a um, a really cool workshop this weekend at the National Cathedral in D.C. It's such a beautiful, big cathedral, and I was sitting there, and I, it's so you know, obviously super old, right? It's been there for a long time. Uh, all the buildings are gorgeous and old, and you know, majestic, but it smelled like smoke. I was like, oh, you just can't get that smell out of these old buildings. That's incredible. That's incredible. I know. And I'm sure people smoked in churches too, probably. Everywhere, right? (laughs) I know. Crazy. So so the Marlboro Man, yeah, we know the smoking, but that is definitely phasing out, right? I mean, there's still smokers. I think that's that's one thing that, uh, you know, it's like in Illinois, it's it's impossible to smoke anywhere. I mean, it's... (laughs) You can't smoke in any public place. Um, I was just out in uh, San Antonio, Texas, and and they actually, like, you can't even smoke in public there, I don't think. Mm. Like, you have to be 50 feet away from any building or something. It's like, they're really strict about it. Yeah. Uh, You know, um, talking about 50, though, I've done some research around the conditions. And, you know, like with women... uh, Osteoporosis is a big thing. People are aware of that. But high cholesterol, these are these are conditions that really are triggered when you, you turn around 50. Hypertension in women. Um, but for men, it's like cancer, you know, lung cancer, colorectal, prostate. Uh, it's and ED, I mean, erectile dysfunction. I mean, we all that's one thing that we, nobody wants to talk about. But, you know, that's a my understanding around that is it's a blood flow issue. And so the healthier we can get, you know, it's about living your life in a, a way you want to live it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think also, I mean, obviously diet and nutrition and getting the body moving, but stress is 
is epidemic as well in oh, this my culture. Uh, yeah, I've actually been doing a lot of studying around stress because, uh, and, and really the bottom line is if people would just take like a couple minutes a day and learn how to breathe correctly from their stomach. And even like there's research around meditation now that like even 10 minutes a day can mm -hmm. like epigenetically change the way you function and the way you think. And you're right. I mean, stress is a killer. Yeah. Yeah. And med yeah, I was, I was preaching to my choir this morning, the, my yoga students and I, my husband is so sick of hearing me say, if someone complains about a health malady, I'll say, you should do yoga. <laughs> it used to be massage. I used to say, go get a massage. You'll, it'll help. It helps with everything. Now I just say, go do yoga. <laughs> I, I agree. I mean, yoga is, you know, I say, you know, I'm, I'm kind of one of those, uh, non kooky type of people. So like when people will say like, Oh, the, you know, the universal energy or something, I'm like, Oh, right, okay, right. let's get back to reality. But and so when people hear about yoga, they're like, oh, that's that kind of that weird stretching stuff. But I've actually taken the last uh, month off of lifting weights because my bicep hurts, my shoulders hurt. I have mm -hmm. a sciatic issue. And I'm like, OK, I'm going to start going to yoga and just, you know, because I'm so tight and everything. But yeah. the breathing as the breathing aspect as well is really important. Sure. And yeah. honestly, within a couple classes, uh, I felt better. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it, it's you don't want to just do yoga. You need cardio. You need strength training. Uh, but as as an addition to your your health uh, program, it's a really important. I think so. Yeah, one thing I have learned from my yoga students who are over fifty is that they come to class because they want to live this quality of life. And you talk about uh, quality over quantity. Do you want to you want to share some of your ideas about that? Because, yeah, as you said in the beginning, we don't want to live forever if we're feeling like crap. <laughs> so, right, right. So yeah. I think I've kind of broken down this into three main areas. So um, stress, that's actually the fourth area. But um, I think we all overlook our sleep, right? Mm, so sleep huge. is something that um, can make or break you. I mean, it honestly can. If you if you don't have good sleep. Uh, nothing else. Um, you can't function because it, it, it's so restorative in its processes. Um, but what I learned is, you know, melatonin is a, is a key sleep hormone. And, uh, by the time you're 50, the production is like negligible. Mm, yeah. Right. And so I, I really never understood that. And the, the curve is dramatic. I mean, when you're younger, it's like way up there. And then by the time you're 50, it's gone. So you have to create a rhythm for your body. And that's like a couple, couple tips are same bedtime and same wake time every day. Right. So I, I go to bed at 10 and I, I haven't used an alarm in three years because I just wake up like within 20 minutes, same time every day. Um, and that's, that will, that will create, you know, harmony with your, circadian rhythm, mm -hmm. which is very important. Mm -hmm. And then um, exercise briefly in the morning. This is a good tip too. So I, I typically work out at night, but if you get up and just do like, you know, Tabata, just a quick four minute cardio workout, something really easy, yeah. you, you, you will actually, that will set your hormones up for better sleep. And uh, a couple others, caffeine, you know, there's a, there's a 
about a six to eight hour half life. So if you drink, you drink a cup of coffee at six o'clock at night, half of that caffeine is still going to be in your body at midnight. Right. And mm-hmm. I know it seems like the older you get, the later you drink coffee. It seems, you know, like my parents, right. they would drink it at like, you know, as they're walking to bed. Well, that's that kind of disrupts your sleep patterns. And then uh, just keep your keep your room like really dark and cool. And, and I think if you do those things, um, your sleep will become better and better quality. And the melatonin is actually produced when in darkness. So if you have any light seeping through, like light from computers, light from TV, a lot of people like to sleep with their TV on. And I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. Not good, uh, right? yeah. And there's yeah, there's so many reasons that you shouldn't have any electronics in your room. Uh, but, you know, going to the blue light, uh, this especially with the, this, the recent uh I, iPhones and how now everybody has a computer, everybody has an iPhone. Right. Every night, uh, every night, I actually wear the blue blocker. So I'll wear, as soon as it starts getting dark outside, I'll wear these amber glasses. Really? And they block. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This this is actually the probably the one tip I would say everybody should do because um, if you look at your iPhone, the research shows that um, if you look at it for as short as 10 minutes at night, it will stop your melatonin production for like four hours, huh. right? So if you wear these amber glasses and you you look like a dork, you can get some <laughs> you can you can get some uh, better cool. I got the ten dollar ones from Amazon, but then you can look at your iPhones, watch TV, and it won't affect your melatonin wow. production. Wow, I know ne- I've never heard of that. So you you put your amber glasses on at six six at night. Yeah, you know what I do is I, okay. I just do it with the season. So like okay. in summer, I'll put them on when it starts getting dark, which is 830 or 9. And mm-hmm. then but in the winter, I'll put them on earlier uh, just just so that my body kind of stays in that rhythm. But that's like that's like one of the major issues now is with this blue light coming out of electronic devices. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. OK, so sleep. Sleep's huge. A lot of people are having trouble. So I hope some of these tips help. What else happens yeah, when we're 50? Yeah, yeah, so exercise, for sure, exercise. So um, I think the key thing to remember for our age group is that, um, you know, we don't lose muscle and gain fat overnight. It's kind of a, since we're 20 years old, every year we we lose a little muscle, we gain a little fat, but then 30 years later, we're 50 and um where all of a sudden we're saying like, wow, I'm like 50 pounds overweight and I have a lot of fat. And um, and then so I think what people do is they'll say, OK, well, uh, January 1st, right, I'm going to join the gym and I'm going to start exercising. Well, the reason that doesn't work is because, you know, 60 to 70 percent of the energy you burn every day is your resting metabolic rate, which means. It, that's what it takes. If you would just lay in bed all day long, it's the energy you, you would burn. Um, and But that's based on muscle, right? So going to the gym and walking on the treadmill or running or doing any other thing is good. It's got cardiovascular benefits and all that, but you have to lift weights, right? You have to lift heavy weights. You know, don't hurt yourself, but so you can build muscle. And you're not going to get bulky. You're not going to become a bodybuilder. But the more muscle you build, then when you leave the gym, you'll burn more calories throughout the day, right? And so that's the key because you only burn 
like 20% of your daily calories if you exercise a lot. It's all about your resting metabolic rate. So the takeaway is lift weights and become more muscular and you'll be able to burn more calories and manage your weight much easier. You can go to the treadmill all day long. If you're not building muscle, it's going to be very hard to manage your weight. And yeah, and the muscle loss is, is, uh, it gets more and more as we age, right? Every five years or something, they're saying, of course, that's probably, who knows, <laughs> but, yeah, but you can offset yeah. it with the strength training, right? Yeah. And you know what? The other thing is it strengthens your bones. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it just, it, if you, if you put heavy weights on your body, you're going to have to, your body's going to have to get stronger. And so you not only, um, it not only benefits your bones, your muscles, and you're right. You, you don't want to get to a point where you've lost all your muscle mass because then you're going to have major problems. Yeah. Yeah. So we have sleep, we have exercise. The third one must be nutrition. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I mean, <laughs> kind of uh, a no brainer. Yeah. We have a saying abs, you know, abs are made in the kitchen. Uh, mm. You always hear people say, Oh, I'm going to go get a six pack for the summer. And then they start doing <laughs> sit ups. Well, yeah. we, we all have six packs. Yeah. Um, they're just under a bunch of stuff, you know? Uh, but like we talked about, just, I would, I would limit your carbs definitely and see how you feel. Uh, but go, just go to a whole food, you know, type of diet. I say stay on the outside aisle of the supermarket. Um, although they did put the Twinkies and stuff on the outside aisle. So go past that. That was tricky, and, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, they're, Supermarkets are smarter than we are for sure, right? So vegetables, meat, um, I would say have some fruit, but limit your fruit. So um, focus on vegetables and, you know, you can eat your fruit. I mean, berries are the best because they're low low glycemic if you're watching your carbs. Mango and pineapple are like, you know, full of sugar, but you can do it once in a while. But I'd say just, you know, have a small bowl and a Underline the word small. It's not filling up a giant bowl with berries, just, you know, kind of a handful and use that as your dessert. But like, you know, save, I, I don't always say cut out all desserts, but like you should cut out sodas and desserts, but you know, wait until you're having that great dinner with somebody out in a restaurant once in a while and then have your dessert, you know, mm-hmm. but don't, don't be eating ice cream every night for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So my husband and I just drove across country, well, from Arizona to the East Coast. And I noticed as we stopped and visited places, which one of the coolest places was in your state, Illinois, biggest rocking chair, Casey, Illinois. Have you seen it? Yeah. And the biggest wind chime. They have all the biggest stuff there. Anyway, anyway, I digress. Uh, as we were driving, uh, I noticed that there were certain places where we started Arizona. Obviously, the West Coast is much more health conscious. As we got into the Midwest, there were, we stopped for lunch and we wanted to stop at a, at a diner that was, you know, kind of a small town, get an experience of this place. And they had nothing for a, a uh, they had no vegetables, <laughs> French fries. They did have French fries. But it was, uh, if you, can you give us some tips for if you live in a place that may not be so health conscious, major urban areas might be a little more, you know, have more ex- access to healthy uh, ways of eating, but, it, and hopefully rural areas with all the farming and stuff, but sadly it doesn't seem to be true 
So can you give us some tips for how to survive if you live in a place or you have an unsupportive uh, network? Yeah, that's, you know, kind of, that's a great question. Um, what, what I do personally is, um, you know, like I said, I don't, I don't eat a lot. Um, so I, I also incorporate intermittent fasting into my diet and that's a, that's a whole nother subject, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of benefits around that. Sure. Um, yeah. And the reason I say that is because if I'm traveling, especially airports, right. Um, I just won't eat and it's, it's better not to eat than it is to eat a bunch of junk food and you won't die. And you know, that's where if you know, you're going to travel, um, you can pack, you know, pack some almonds, uh, pack a salad, you know, so kind of my tactic is I actually think about it, what I'm going to be doing. So if I know I'm going to be traveling and it's going to be hard to find something healthy, um, you know, you don't have to pack full meals, but just, just pack some food. So you can, you can snack on it, healthy food, because it's, it's actually cheaper than like going to a gas station or whatever and buying almonds or whatever. Um, but, but then, you know, it's getting a little bit better. Um, I don't think the, you know, the greasy spoon diners are going to have anything healthy, but you know, the Paneras of the world now in most cities, um, have salads you can eat or, you know, grilled chicken or something. And, you know, if you're on a, if you're on a ketogenic diet, you can like what I do a lot is, I mean, I can go to McDonald's and it's not the best quality meat in the world. I'll say that, but if it comes to a desperate situation, I just take off the bun. I'll get a side salad with no dressing or something and, uh, always drink water. I don't, I don't drink anything else Mm -hmm. but that coffee, but, uh, I think you just have to plan a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sort of obsessed with the Whole30 cookbook because they have so many great recipes and everything looks so beautiful. And I, I'm, I haven't done it yet, but I want to make those mason jar salads where you can just yeah, kinda, those are awesome. Yeah, yeah, I saw those. Yeah, and so easy to just carry along. But another thing that I think is really uh, that I've learned is just to read the labels. I wasn't a big label reader. Sometimes they're just too small and I don't have reading glasses with me, but um, now I am I read the labels and the first thing I look for is sugar because usually it's the first thing that's listed. So um, reading the labels when we're shopping for Whole Foods has really changed the way I eat. So, Oh, yeah. And it's, uh, it's, it's somewhat discouraging because I think, I think there's like a 600 different names for sugar. I, I don't or it's 100 or 600 or something. There's. I mean, there's so many different names for sugar, but I've almost come to the conclusion that um, unless I'm buying something like from and like Mark Sisson has like these bars that are all organic, every ingredient is good, but they're, you know, they're expensive. Um, I I try to avoid eating anything with a label just because there's usually there's usually vegetable oil in it, which I try to avoid mm, uh, for many reasons, but yeah, you're right. So yeah, you definitely have to be looking at the label. And if there's a hundred ingredients in there, you probably don't want to be getting it. Yeah. Yeah. The more ingredients, the more chance that there's stuff we don't need. So, so uh, along the lines of that question, how to survive if you live in a place that may not be uh, optimum health, healthy, things going on. Um, there are groups, right? There are like, I know in our area, there are groups that have been formed, um, where they get together and they have potlucks. Uh, 
And um, do you guys have that in the Midwest? Or you know, I, I haven't really seen those. Might uh, be something to start. That's awesome. That's yeah. an awesome idea because, you know, one of the complaints is that the food choices get boring. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, luckily, I can eat the same thing over and over and it doesn't bother me, right? Wow. I, I don't know if that's a guy thing or what, but uh, I hear a lot of people saying, you know, I want to do the low carb or I want to do the healthy lifestyle. It's just, it's boring. I And I think that's an awesome idea. If you can get together and share recipes mm-hmm. and have people cook and it's all healthy, uh, that's that's a great tip. So, and then the other thing is, is what you, you are doing now, you and your son are building this company around coaching and, and nutrition and health and wellness. So you can seek out someone like you. Right, right. I think, I think that's important because I mean, throughout my healthcare uh, career, I've, I've had executive coaches. I mean, I think everybody should have a coach because uh, you don't know what you don't know. When I was getting ready for these physique shows, I hired a nutrition coach who I learned a lot from him and it's hard to go on it by yourself because it takes a lot of research, right? Mm. And you have to sort through so much information. Sometimes it's just easier to have somebody guide you. And, you know, I know a lot of people and I really feel bad for them because they're really trying and they, they just can't seem to find the correct nutrition plan or workout that works out for them. So, um, yeah, I, I want everybody to be healthy. I want everybody to succeed. And sometimes, you know, there's this whole theory around willpower. Willpower doesn't always work. You just can't force yourself into success sometimes. Mm, yeah, yeah. Good point. So I want to get to all your information if someone wants to work with you or listen to your podcast and all that. But why don't you leave us with a few a few tips for those of us over 50 and if somebody's listening and they might feel like they really want to make a big change before they hit the big 50 or if they're maybe a few years years over <laughs> over that that line and they just want to they want to get a fresh start and the summertime's a great time to do it what would you say to uh as a coach to inspire us yeah i would say just start, right? Just start with something. And, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect. I think the problem is people let perfection get in the way of progress. And so they're like, well, if I can't, if I can't work out three hours a day and do a nutrition plan and do this, and then the first minute I I have a breakdown and I eat a candy bar, it's over and I'm going to go back to the way. Just you know, have faith in yourself. And just remember, it's kind of the 80-20 rule. If you can do it, 80% of the time correctly and 20% you don't, you're making success and you're being successful. And I think that you need to take the incremental approach. Uh, somebody shared that uh, like for every every year that you're unhealthy, it takes like three months to three months or uh, something like that to recover from that. So if you've been living a pretty unhealthy life for 20 years, you know, give yourself a year or two, just take step by step. You know, I would say first thing, cut the sugar out, right? Everybody says that, but that is key. If you cut the sugar out of your diet, and when I say sugar, I'm also talking about white bread and other things that create sugar, right? right? When you read the just labels, to, you see, you really see. Yeah, it. yeah. And this, uh, yeah, just do one thing. And I have this little PDF and the way I wrote it is first week, you know, just reduce sugar. Second week, 
um, try to introduce a little bit of exercise. I can't remember the exact order, but over six weeks, you can start doing some things. So uh, it's never too late. You know, it's never too late. Uh, but I would say cut the sugar out and and start focusing on your sleep because sleep is everything and nobody thinks about it. There's a saying, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Mm-hmm. Well, now the research is showing you probably it'll be sooner, sooner. more sooner than later right? Yeah. if you don't sleep yeah. because... Uh, people trying to lose weight, if you're not sleeping correctly, it disrupts all your hormones. And um, there's so many studies that show if people just get their sleep in order, the weight that they could never lose starts dropping off. Mm, That makes so, so much sense. All the regeneration that happens when we sleep. That's great. Thank you so much, Dan, for coming on this podcast and talking about all these great things. I learned a lot. Um, well, thank you for having me. Yeah. This is, uh, I love talking about this stuff. And I, I, you know, seeing so many sick people over my career, I just, you know, we, it's, it's not that hard to become healthy and to live a really good life. Yeah, I agree. So to find your po- podcast, the low carb leader podcast and all of your information, can you uh, tell us where to go? Oh, sure. If you just go to the low carb uh, that that is the website with all the podcasts on there. There's some blogs. Um, there's links to the social media sites. Uh, I have a Facebook uh, page. Okay. I, I now have about fifty thousand followers on that. Wow. And and you know I honestly I don't really put anything serious on there. Uh, it's more me sharing recipes that are low carb and funny stuff that oh, I see good. on the inter- internet, good. right? And so you can actually get some really good recipes on there. They're not even mine. I just share them give the people the credit that did them. Um, and there's also a little sidebar that's, if you click on it, um, enter in your email address, there's a six week low carb plan. And that's what I was talking about. And you'll also a couple of days later, you get this little sleep PDF, uh, kind of ideas about getting better sleep. Cool. Cool. So we, we can start slowly with you and build on your plan. I love that idea. Thank you so much. And I should just say before we leave that I was so impressed with your state, Illinois, because I saw the biggest rocking chair and the biggest wind chime. I also found out that you were once the youngest black belt in the state of Iowa at the age of 11. So, huh? Yeah. yeah. You guys, Uh, congratulations. My my brother and my dad, (laughs) we, uh, we actually owned our own karate school too for like 10 years. Oh, so cool. So yeah, cool. yeah. So you were the youngest black belt, and so many firsts in in. Uh, well, you're in, that was in Iowa, but yeah, yeah. I was, was going to say it. May, <laughs> not Illinois. That, if you ever been to Iowa, there's not that many people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's cool though. That's cool. So oh, cool. anyway, I've enjoyed this conversation so much. Everybody, go listen to the Low Carb Leader podcast, and yeah, and just cut out that sugar. It's a great start. Thank you so much, Dan. Well, thank you, Connie, for having me on your show. <laughs> Take care. I'll talk to you again, I hope. Have a happy, healthy day. You too. Back to Happy, A Journey of Hope, Healing, and Waking Up is a small but powerful book about healing from one of life's greatest tragedies, the loss of a child. It's about love and sadness and being human. The nine lessons in Back to Happy are intended to be food for a broken but awakening soul. Healing from grief and loss is possible. Finding joy again is possible. Back to Happy. 
in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook at Amazon.com. For more information, visit backtohappybook.com.